When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? Isaac here, Civil Engineering Academy. Excited to share with you another podcast episode. I'm excited about this one. We actually discuss a recent article produced by the ASCE president, President Truax, and he actually writes an article about the decline of civil engineers, their enrollment, the need for civil engineers in the workforce because they're very high in demand and projected to need quite a few of them. So I bring my brother Mark on today. We discussed this article, some bullet points. We also discussed a huge elephant in the room that isn't really discussed in the article, but uh, might be touched upon. You know, it's still a good thing. Great article to check out. We'll link that in the show notes. But President Dennis Truax talks about this as he's leaving the ASCE presidency. I guess he talks about some really interesting facts about civil engineers and the state that they're in. So we talk about it today. You're going to want to check it out. It's coming up right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is awesome. It's 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious. If you have not tried these, I don't know what's wrong with you. They recently came out with a coconut brownie chunk, which is amazing. I'm a big coconut fan, so if you're in the coconut camp, you got to try that. If not, what's wrong with you? Just kidding. They have lots of other different flavors, so go check them out. They have strawberry. They've got cherry lime, peanut butter brownie, coconut. Again, different types of coconut bars, raspberry, double chocolate, and all kinds of stuff. This stuff is way better than a candy bar for you. Definitely a snack you want as you're studying for your FE or PE. It's got 130 calories, only 2.5 grams of fat, 4 net carbs, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. This is way better than what's out there for other protein bars and definitely better than candy bars. So go check it out at civilengineeringacademy.com slash built and use our discount code of C-I-V-A-C and you'll get a 10% off on anything that you order there. So go check that out. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turn to? I turn to Audible and we have an affiliate with them. If you go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. You can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link. You'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits. And if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep. But go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. All right, we are going. We are live. Mark, what's going on? Hey, just enjoying another special time, Isaac. Doing Throwing down another drink on a nice yeah. day. Yep. Loving it. Got mine. Ready to go. Ready to go. 
<laughs> we ran across an interesting article we wanted to chat about today, and that's from the ASCE president, Dennis Truax, El Presidente. He's on his way out, sounds like. He wrote an article detailing kind of the, the state of civil engineering as a whole in terms of workforce and those leaving, those coming in, those are graduating from college. And right now, those dumbers don't look great, it sounds like. So I thought it would be fun to bring you on. Let's talk about maybe some bullet points from that article and maybe address the big elephant in the room, which he never even addresses in the article, but is the very first comment in the article after in the comment section. So anyway, with that, let's get after it. So the U.S. Bureau of Statistics projects that there's about 25,000 engineers each needed each year throughout this decade. And that is a projection based on just for the amount of work that's out there. It doesn't account for, in his article, he says that doesn't account for engineers retiring and also like special legislation that pops up where it requires even more engineers to just work. Well, yeah, we've got that Infrastructure Investments and Job Act that's out there, right? That's just released a ton of money into infrastructure investment. So how are we going to cover all of that? Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was pretty interesting. He goes on to quote that Moody's estimates that infrastructure projects will create about 884,000 jobs by 2030, and a per capita income will increase by 10.5% as a result. So I guess I can't say he doesn't address salary at all. I guess just in general, it sounds like the need for engineers is still there, is still really viable and is growing. What are your thoughts around how it's growing and maybe what you think you see in terms of hiring engineers, the population of people wanting to be an engineer, things of that nature? I serve on an industry advisory board for a local university. And one of the big things that they're, they have their goals, right? They want to see a certain number of enrollment into their programs. And they've done things like start new programs like construction engineering that we've talked about before. But what they see is a lot of the younger folks coming out of uh, high school, high school age folks, they perceive the engineering career path as requiring maybe an inordinate amount of, of work, right? There's a certain amount of technical skills that one has to acquire before you can become an engineer. And the perception is that that's maybe a little bit tougher road than, I don't know, say a, a path in a career path in business or a career path that's maybe not a STEM, right, type path. But um, I don't know. It's a perception they're trying to change. They have some different marketing campaigns that they've uh, initiated that targets that demographic that, you know, basically says if, if you've got an interest in science, you like to figure out how things go together. If you have a basic interest in how things work in the world, then man, engineering is probably the way to go, you know. And so there's been a lot of efforts to try to change that perception. And again, that's what I'm seeing in this industry advisory board. And that's at a civil engineering department here at, uh, at the University of Utah. And one of the things he starts talking about is, I guess, the steps to combat this is his idea of developing a workforce development program. And then he questions what that program should be teaching. 
So maybe I could ask you this, but his question is basically, should the program help students think critically, explore and challenge concepts and debate constructively, or should it focus on technical or trade skills needed in the workplace? Do you see anything like that when you're sitting on this board on the influence of what is being taught in the university level? Yeah, what's happening at that university level is they're trying to create a link between the technical, the theoretical, right? They're trying to create a link between academia and what is actually practically done in the field. Meaning, again, I keep referring to this construction engineering program because you had a big role. In that. I did have a big role in that. Yeah. And so I keep referring back to this, but I'll use it again to prove my point here. They're trying to create this link between the technical and the practical. So as young people realize that math has a practical application, if I want to solve a certain problem and it's a constructability problem and, you know, some kind of infrastructure, let's just use a a simple example of a building, right? If I want to build a building that um, maybe is going to be a hospital, right? And that building has to support the live and dead loads that are going to be imposed on that building and that it's going to have to resist any seismic loads and wind loads that get induced into that building. Using math and technical skills, I can use those to implement something that has some real tangible, real life effects, right? It's not just going through and solving problems on a piece of uh, engineering paper, right? The old green paper that everybody loved to use. It's identifying a problem using math and your technical skills to solve the problem and then actually seeing that solution get implemented. There's a level of satisfaction that is derived from doing that, right? And so they're trying to make a link between those two worlds. Saying, given this technical knowledge that you'll have if you go through one of our engineering programs, look what you can do with that. Look at how satisfactory this is because you've identified a problem, you've helped solve the problem, and then you've put the solution into a practical use and it makes people's lives better, right? It makes society better and you've contributed and and this is all a good thing and, and it brings a lot of job satisfaction. So that's what they're trying to do. Does that make sense? It does. And I know here at Civil Engineering Academy, we're going to have a future episode. We're going to be talking more about that. There's a big campaign right now that's being pushed to help the public or just people that are just interested in, you know, maybe they don't know they're interested in engineering. You know, they go to stadiums, they watch ball games. they, you know, how is stuff built? There's been a, a larger rise I've seen even on YouTube of just like, civil engineering channels that talk about how the world works around them and how stuff is built in order to figure some of that stuff out in detail, because that's kind of more for the masses to really see how that stuff works. You got to go to school. You got to jump through the the hoops and the grind. Yeah. And it's amazing how much of that stuff isn't even recognized, right? We all just take it for granted everywhere we drive, you know, There's engineering behind all of that infrastructure that supports our transportation system, right? Every building we ever go into, buildings that we live in, the water we drink, 
the water we drink, the sanitation systems that we use, right? Power lines, everything that's working in the background that just supports our lifestyle, it's taken for granted. And so I think you're onto something when you say that is because that's part of it is getting young people and just people in general to realize what civil engineering does and what it supports is essentially our entire lifestyle, right? Everything that we enjoy. That you don't think about. That you don't think about. Exactly. Because it just is there. Exactly. Yeah, good points. Well, in his article, he also talks about a, a kind of a, a third thing, a third looming thing that's out there. And we kind of alluded to this a little bit talking about college, but he notes that there are a decrease enrollments in the civil engineering world. And he makes the statement here that many youth question the need to take on hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to get college education, given both a perception that the promise of success after graduation is not guaranteed, and then the burden of that debt. I would argue that you could get through school without hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. I did it. I did the same thing. Yep, I did it. It can be done. You can get through engineering school without hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. Even if you've got a, a work or find a job, there's so many jobs that help you with educational reimbursement. Oh, yeah. There's tons of scholarships that go unused. That's a topic of discussion at my industry advisory board every time is there's just thousands and thousands of dollars of scholarships that go unused. It's a reflection of the lower matriculation, right? The lower rates of enrollment in the programs. But um, yeah, there's money there that can be used. Yeah. He also makes the point that the ability to develop a trade skill at a lower cost. So the trades that are out there means that four-year programs are now competing with other post-high school options to attract people. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like the trades have always been in need of hiring people. And even to this day, I think the trades still have a huge need. And I think it's a, it's a great area to go into, too. I'm not saying that's a bad way to go. Could be a great way to go. But he makes that distinction that maybe the option for an individual is that they want to go to a trade school. If they were presented two options, do you want to become a civil engineer or do you want to go learn a trade? And maybe they're just looking at the finances at that point and they're saying, well, I can go to a trade school. They pay for everything and I get out of here and I'm making six figures pretty close to it. And if I go to engineering school, I take on debt and I'm not going to make as much at the beginning. So maybe those are two things he's trying to point out there in that article. But maybe that's another topic. But I think the overall topic here is that there is a decrease of enrollment for people coming into the civil engineering world. I haven't looked at any specs or numbers on that. I feel like every year it's actually gotten more, more and more people have gone into that field, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, we may have a little bit of a local bias, Isaac. I felt like that too. However, I work primarily with structural engineering firms. I hear occasionally from those guys that um, the students that come out of some of these university programs aren't as well-trained as they would hope. They're having to invest a little more into their employees' training when they get out of school, you know, getting them up to speed on different things. And Is that technical training or is that like people skills, soft skills? No, training? it's not the soft skills. They're talking about the technical abilities. They feel like some of the individuals coming out of the programs these days aren't quite as good as they used to be. I get that. I would say for 
any industry you go into, there's going to be some sort of learning curve. I hear that in the guys that work for me that, you know, work in the trades, carpenters and laborers and stuff. They tell me the same thing. Oh, they're just not coming on and ready to go. None of these kids are ready to go. So this is my opinion, but every company has a certain culture and climate and how they do things. And it takes time to learn that. You know, if you're coming out of school, you're going to know how to do the math probably and the science, but maybe you're not familiar with the software that's being used or you're not knowing what your boss wants at the end of the day. And you have to learn kind of those things. And I will say that the more companies train their employees, it's been proven that they have higher retention of those employees. So I think that training is not, we have to invest in your employees. You're going to invest in them. You should invest in them probably anyway if you want to keep them around, because otherwise you're training someone to leave in a year or two. I agree with that. Well, back to the article, there's a big elephant in the room that he doesn't address that we want to get to. And it's the very first comment that's left on the article talking about the salary levels of civil engineers. And maybe I could read that first comment, but it says, ironically, the most important facet was not discussed. Money. Civil engineers are grossly underpaid. Until pay increases significantly, there will be economics, supply and demand issues. So I can't disagree with the guy. It's uh, been a battle for civil engineers to raise rates, raise salary, keep prices competitive or looked at almost like a commodity. You know, just do the engineering, crank it out in the factory and push it off the floor. They don't think it takes creative reasoning and thinking here to produce a project. Yeah, there's definitely some pressure, some upward pressure to keep uh, civil engineers going. And some of that is reflected in some of the current stats that we've got. Do we want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Just on the, the 2022 salary report that ASC issues every year, some of the key stats on that that are interesting. They show a median base salary and they show that that's on the rise. So as you track from 2018 to current 2022, the median base salary has gone up like $16,000 a year in that time frame. It's steadily increasing, which correlates with uh, the higher demand, right? That's a good trend. Civil engineering salaries, the total median pre-tax income is $124,000. It's not bad. With inflation, it feels like 124 is maybe like uh, <laughs> 70. I don't yeah, know. That's true. Like it used to be. Yeah. Inflation has taken a bite out of that. Doesn't go as far as it used to. <laughs> but, you know, 124 is nothing to, to be ashamed of either. Yeah. The increase is keeping up with inflation and going out, you know, above it and beyond it. What's inflation now? We're at 8% or something currently. Eight and a half. It's like seven to nine percent. It feels like every yeah, single month. Depending. And so at least these trends are, are keeping up out ahead of inflation. But that rise, that rise in the medium base kind of indicates or backs up what we're talking about here that the demand is still high, but the supply is relatively low. And so those wages are going up. Now, one good thing though, and maybe this should be better, but the job satisfaction numbers that ASC list for 2022, they say that 85.2% of civil engineers are either satisfied or very satisfied with their work. What do you think about that? 85%? I feel like that's high. 
but I don't know what it was last year or the year before or whatnot. That number has remained fairly constant. It's gone up a little bit since last year, maybe a percent or two, but it does remain fairly constant. I have to think that civil engineering is one of the highest with job satisfactions. And maybe it's just because it's tied to like the tangible product that you're making that you get to see. Like I help build that. That's where I get my satisfaction is when most industries don't get to say that. When, when you've been an old guy like me and, and you've been in the industry for so long, I can drive anywhere in town and I can just start pointing out the projects that I've worked on. I helped build that. I built that. I was on that one. Yep. And it's kind of cool. So I want to go back to salaries for just a minute. They list that median salary of $124,000, which is good. And it's keeping up, I guess, with inflation. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a little bit. But I would say that a lot of engineers feel like they don't see that increase because when you are in a firm, you're usually locked into that 2 to 3 4% raise every year, which is definitely not meeting or beating inflation at all. But where I have seen that, I can apply this to my very own life, is <laughs> when I've jumped a position, I jumped a job, then I've been able to get that, which is unfortunate. I hate to see that, but that's the reality of it, is that when engineers end up moving jobs or moving to a new firm, you end up getting a higher salary, which in turn beats this inflationary cost that you keeps eating at your salary. And it seems that if engineers, and maybe I, I want to pick your brain on this a little bit, but an engineer that stays there and, it, you know, you get your two to three, four percent raise because they had inflation that was high and you got four percent and you're like, yay, but it was like nine percent. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, what are your thoughts on, uh, I guess, sticking it out, being loyal to that company versus maybe looking around and trying to really get a jump on your salary. I guess maybe it's just tied to, you know, you and your family and what's best for you. Yeah, I think it does. And I agree with your, and you've seen it, like you said, in your own life, but that's, unfortunately, that's kind of the catalyst for discussing things like performance and, you know, where your salary is. And when things get real, when they get serious with the manager, and I'm a manager, is when your employee is threatening to leave to go somewhere else. That's all of a sudden when things really get serious and you really, yeah, oh, I got to figure this out. And that's when things change. And that's, it's unfortunate that it happens like that, but it's really kind of the catalyst that gets um, somebody what, the most competitive wage with the level of performance that they've got. Now, there's lots of other things that go into that. I mean, you may be working for a firm that you're comfortable with and you know the people and the process and it's just you're in a groove and you're, you're comfortable and you're happy where you're at. You don't want to make a change, but um, I don't know. It's just a reality. And as somebody who manages, you know, project engineers and, and a lot of uh, field forces, it happens in my firm before I make a big change. I'm usually finding out that maybe some an individual's maybe a little bit unhappy with their situation. They've been offered something somewhere else, and I have to react to that. It's probably not the best way to to handle things, but as a manager, a lot of times I'm not even fully aware that that individual is unhappy in the role that they're in, you know. And we try to do those yearly assessments and we try to, you know, have those at least once a year where we've assessed performance of individuals. But um, a lot of times that, as a manager, that kind of blindsides you, you know, because you're just cruising along and then you're confronted with it. 
in any case, I think that confrontation has to take place usually before you can get those raises and stuff. Because it's the whole supply and demand thing. Once your firm that you're working for realizes that you are in demand, you know, in high demand, your skills somewhere else, why then all of a sudden they're a little more willing to see what they can do for you. And unfortunately, that's just the way the market works. But there are cases when you might just be happy where you're at and you don't, you're happy with those incremental increases because you're in a, you're in a comfortable spot and you like it, you know, and it's fine. That's totally valid. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a groove, you know what's good, you know you got it good, and you're good at it. So, yeah, keep it going. Keep it going. Nothing wrong with that either, you know, if you're good at it. So, I would never fault somebody for trying to improve themselves, prove their salary either, you know, people are trying to do what's best for them. And nope. I will say this, like we're talking about civil engineering as a whole, the market right now, I feel like is very hot. I'm in the utility world and it's very hot for engineers. So you can virtually get a job anywhere in the utility world. A lot of that's even remote work, you know, working from home. The market's hot. The salaries, I think, are in a good spot. And they, they do, they are increasing. They're trying to match with inflation. It's going to be a steady drive up. So if you're considering, you know, the civil engineering world, just know that this is a very steady world to be in. You can move around within that. You know, we're talking about jumping jobs and all this stuff, but as a whole, I think it's still a, a good spot to be for that. Oh, it's a great spot. And that's why it'd be kind of a, it would be a sad thing for maybe a young person that's trying to get into the field to think that the curriculum that you would have to go through at a university would be a, a barrier, you know, because once you got through that curriculum and you had your degree, it just, it opens up this, this huge world of possibilities and opportunities. And so anything you go into requires a level of work and dedication and applying yourself, right? And getting a degree in civil engineering is no different, but um, you'd hope that uh, young people would look at that, where they're going and what's in store for them after they've put in all that effort and um, figure out that it's worth it. It's worth doing. Well, this has been a fun one to talk about. Uh, if anybody's interested, we'll link that article that we are discussing from Dennis Truex in our show notes. And, um, you know, let us know your thoughts. Shoot me an email, leave a comment in the video, give us a like and a subscribe and participate in, in the conversation. Let us know what your thoughts are. Let us know about declining enrollment numbers, salary levels, things of anything to do with that stuff. We love hearing about it. So, Mark, thanks for jumping on and sharing your wisdom again. Uh, you bet. Anytime. Okay. See you in the next one. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.